You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. How are we doing? You good? Very good. I'm good. We just got back from a 10-day cruise to Papua New Guinea. And I've found where all, everyone over 80 holidays on cruise ships. It's where they holiday. And so now my wife and I, we have two options when we retire. We can either become grey nomads or grey pirates. And I'm going to choose a grey pirate. So can we go to the video? Check this out. Which one of you did that to my clothes? I did it. Taylor. No. I did it. Was it you? No. No. It wasn't you? No. It was Taylor. No. Taylor, was that you? No. That wasn't me. It wasn't. Then who was it? It was Taylor. No, it wasn't. Then who was it? Taylor. I not did not. Me. Not. No. I didn't. You did not. No. I didn't. Taylor did. No. I didn't. Yeah, you got to. Blame it on him. I did not do anything. I didn't do anything with it either. Who was it? Which one? Mommy was it. He did. No, but Mommy was was it. Oh, is Mommy now? Yeah. Mommy did that? Yeah. Oh, it wasn't Bubba. It wasn't Bubba. It wasn't Mommy. It wasn't you. So now it's you. No. Alright. Spank his butt. Whatever you're going to do, just do it. That's, no, did Mommy that. did that. Mommy <laughs> did that. Mommy did that. Yeah. No, I don't think Mommy would have done that. I didn't do that. I think that you did it. No, I didn't. How are you going to prove it? I'm going to prove it with Bubba. That doesn't make sense. That's okay, you didn't understand. I didn't, I, but I didn't do that. I didn't do it, Daddy. I didn't do it. I think it was you. I think Bubba. it was you. It was Bubba. Quit blaming it on Bubba and Mommy. Just say, I did it. I didn't do that. Just say, I did it. I didn't. I didn't do that. You promise? No. You don't promise? I didn't do that. I didn't crawl the Taylor clothes. You didn't what? Hey, Daddy. When Taylor was out here, you didn't what? Daddy. Taylor was like... You didn't what? I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't. Look at me. I want you to tell me the truth. Okay? Look at me right now. Tell me the truth. Did you do that? If it's if you did, it's okay and I'll forgive you. But I want you to tell me the truth. I did that. You did that? Yeah. Thank you. I what forgive you, you. You forgive me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. We love having scapegoats, don't we? We love blaming other people. We love having someone else to blame rather than facing the real reason why things happened the way they did. In fact, it happened in the very beginning of the book. We know the story of Adam and Eve, where God makes all these trees and says to Adam, you can eat from every tree in the world except that one. And then we know the story. Eve eats from the one that they weren't supposed to, right? And then she convinces Adam to eat. And God comes into the garden and says, hey, what are you guys doing? And the first thing that Adam says is, it's not my fault, God. 
it's the woman that you gave me. And so Adam not only blames Eve, but he even blames God. And Eve does the same thing. He says, it was the snake that you made, God. And so Eve blames the snake and she blames God. We love having someone or something else to blame when things don't go our way. Uh, there was this one time we were out to dinner. Uh, my family were with another family. We went to this Mexican place and I'd eaten lots of beans. And there was an air bubble in my belly. And I was doing everything I can to hold that thing in, but we were having a good time. And I laughed, and as I laughed, something else came out. And my friend's wife said, Tim, was that you? I did what any sane person would do. I said, no, it was my kid, right? (laughs) Blamed it on my kid. It wasn't Malachi, it was me, I did it, right? (laughs) But I'm not gonna admit to that. The shame, right, the guilt. (laughs) We love having other people to uh, to blame. Kids are awesome. You know, I know that you've done it because I've done it. You know, you're at a party and it's boring, right? And you want to get away, but you can't get away, but you've got kids. So you say, listen, we've got to go. It's, it's the kids' bedtime, right? But Tim, it's only 4 p.m. Uh, their bedtime's at 4.30, right? And so you use kids, to, you blame the kids to get your own way. We love having scapegoats. We love having people to blame. We love having someone or something else to blame for things that happen that are not favorable for us. You know that sometimes we blame God on things. Like why is it that when we have a natural disaster, we say it must have been an act of God? Why do we do that? Why do we blame God for bad weather events? You know, we do the same thing with the devil. We blame the devil for so many things. Oh, you know, oh, hey, Tim, are you all right? You know, looks like you're having a bad day. Ah, just the devil's attacking me. You know, no, what really happened was I was up until 2 a.m. watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, binge watching it, right? That's what happened. And so I'm cranky because of my own actions, not because of somebody else, but I'll do whatever I can to take the blame off me and put it on someone else. And so we blame other factors other than our own behavior, We sacrifice integrity and character to try and save face. But this morning, I have some good news. This morning, I found the only scapegoat that you'll ever need. This morning, I found the only excuse that you'll ever need. This is the excuse of all excuses. In fact, this excuse is so good that you don't need to excuse yourself anymore, okay? This scapegoat is so good that you don't need scapegoats anymore. Are you ready? We're going to have a bit of fun this morning. You ready? Me and John, fantastic. Okay, we're going to look at, at the book of Leviticus this morning. So Leviticus 16, verses 7 to 10 and 21 to 22. I have it on the screen if you want to follow with me. It says this. Then he must take two male goats. Everyone say two male goats. And present them to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. He is to cast sacred lots, which is kind of like the rolling of a dice, He is to cast sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to the Lord and which will carry the sins of the people into the wilderness of Azazel. Everyone say Azazel. That's a cool word, right? Azazel. It simply means take him away. Okay, so take the goat to the wilderness of take him away. It, It actually means a place that's desolate. Okay, a place that's dry, that's barren. Aaron will present as a sin offering the goat chosen by lot for the Lord The other goat, the scapegoat, chosen by Lot, will be sent away, will be kept alive, standing before the Lord. When it is sent away to Azazel, everyone say Azazel, in the wilderness, the people will be purified and made right with the Lord. Verse 21, 
that a man specifically chosen for the task will drive the goat into the wilderness. As the goat goes into the wilderness, it will carry all the people's sins upon itself into a desolate land. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just pray that as we unpack your word this morning, that you would teach us something about ourselves. God, that you would teach us something about other people. And most importantly this morning, I pray that we would learn something new about you today in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Okay, so this is going to be our uh, foundational scripture this morning, okay? We've got two goats. Uh, One gets killed. One gets sent away. Uh, The sin is placed upon the goat, and the people's sins are forgiven. This is our foundational scripture this morning. But what I want to unpack is uh, just four things today. Number one, I want to unpack four things, uh, five things. Number one, why did they kill a goat? Why is that in the Bible? Why did they have to kill a goat? Number two, what does sin mean, right? Because they put the sin on the goat, they sent it away. What is sin? What does it mean? The third thing is, what does it mean to be made right with the Lord? What does that mean? The next thing that we're going to look at is, who is the man who drives sin away? And then we're going to finally find out, who is the ultimate scapegoat? Who can I use to free me from blaming anyone and everyone anymore, right? So they're the things that we're going to look at this morning. So number one, why did they have to kill a goat? Well, the story starts with a, na- uh, with, with a man named Abraham who was about to kill his son as a human sacrifice to make God happy. We find it in the book of Genesis, in the Old Testament, it's in the Bible, where God says, take your son, your only son Isaac, and go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. It says this, then Abraham got up to go do it. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so, a few... Why did Abraham not argue with God? Why does he just go and do what God seemingly said? Go kill your son, right? Why do we see human sacrifice in the Bible? And to understand that, we need to do a little bit of history. Back in Abraham's day, to have the most important things going in your life well, you had to sacrifice to the gods. The most important things were this, procreation, enough rain for your crops to grow, and enough uh, sun for everything to grow, right? Rain and sun and kids. And so you needed to appease the gods so that they would provide you with the right amount of these essential things. And so the people of the day saw themselves as pawns to these unseen powers. And so this belief arose that in order for me to get these powers to bestow on me good things, then, uh, you know, I, I must have to give them stuff. Because if I'm not having kids, it must be the God's fault, right? We blame the gods. It must be the God. If things aren't going well, it must be the God's fault. If my livestock aren't increasing, it must be God's fault. If my finances aren't going well, it must be God's fault. And so what they did was they came up with this sacrificial system that whenever I harvest something or kill an animal, I will sacrifice it to my God, hoping to make him happy. Now, here's the problem number one. What do you do if you gave your offering, but you still couldn't have kids, your livestock were dying, and it wasn't raining? Well, they concluded that maybe you hadn't offered enough in your sacrifice. And so it would cause the person or the family to sacrifice more and more and more and offer more and more and more to try and make the gods happy. Problem number two, what if everything was going well for you? You were having lots of healthy kids. The right amount of rain was falling. Crops and livestock were great. How would you know that you had offered enough to show thanks to the gods? And so if things were dying, you mustn't have had offered enough, which leads to anxiety, right? 
if things are going well, how much do I offer to keep it going? No one knew. It's led to anxiety. And so what this anxiety did was it made us offer more and more constantly, sacrifice more, because you never knew where you stood with the gods. And so maybe you would offer some crops and a goat, maybe uh, that and some cattle. If you really wanted to try and impress the gods and make them happy, you would sacrifice what was most important to you, children. That's why in the Old Testament, we see human sacrifice on its fringes. Because the people of the day saw this as something quite normal to do. Back to Abraham, right? Can you see now when God says, take Isaac, your son, and kill him, Abraham gets up to go do it. Because in that day, it was quite normal for a God to want you to kill the greatest thing that you had, your kid. He gets up. He was quite okay to sacrifice him. In fact, everybody who, knew the, who heard this story knew that it was a normal thing for the gods to want this kind of sacrifice. And it's why the story starts off the way that it does. What's different about this story, however, is that this God changes the rules. Aren't you glad that God changes rules? This God does something different that no other God did. In fact, this story is the first time in recorded human history that this God changes the rules like he does. The story goes that Abram took Isaac up, put him on the altar, and he had the knife in the air ready to kill his son. And then this booming voice comes from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, steady your hand, don't kill your son. And Abraham stops. The story says that he turns around and he sees this ram caught in the thicket caught in the bushes, and he sees that as a sign of God giving to him. This is the first time in recorded human history that a God says, hey, to his subject, hey, don't sacrifice to me anymore, stop it. Stop killing things. Listen, if you need a sacrifice, let me give you a sacrifice. This is the first time in recorded human history where a God comes in and says, here, let me give you the sacrifice. And so God gives something of himself, his creation, right? God is creator God. And so God says, listen, there's nothing that you can do, Abraham, that makes me happy. If you need a sacrifice, let me give you a sacrifice, something of me. And so God changes the rules. And instead of us sacrificing to him, he sacrifices something of himself, his creation, the ram or the goat. And so this was the beginning of the Jewish sacrificial system, the first story that we just looked at with the two goats. And so every year around October in our calendar, the Jews would celebrate this day called Yom Kippur. Everyone say Yom Kippur. Yom means day, Kippur means atonement, the day of atonement, right? They would celebrate this day where they would get two goats, one goat was sacrificed and called the sin offering, and the second goat was released into the wilderness of Azazel. It was a celebration and a ceremony to illustrate that all the sins that I've committed and that you've committed and that we've committed of the previous year were now taken away, right? It was a celebration that God had given the people a sacrifice, something of himself, his creation, to carry away all their sins. Now, a uh, fun fact for the geeks out there, uh, Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the Jewish calendar. Every other religion other than Judaism and Christianity have holy days where the worshipers honor their God with sacrifices and works. But, in Jew, but, but the Jewish God, right, what's different about God of the Jews is that this God doesn't live 
for the worship of the people, but for the people to find freedom within him, right? Christianity, our most holy day is Easter. Why is Easter our most holy day? Because it's a time where we can remember that God gave Jesus to us, right? It's not about us worshiping God more and more. It's about God, you've given us Jesus that is awesome. And so Yom Kippur was all about God wiping away a year's worth of sins. Now, here's a thought. Could you imagine, right? You've got a bucket. And in your bucket is all of your sins for the year. Your wife has a bucket, your husband, you, your friends, they've all got their bucket. And in the bucket is their year's worth of sins. Now, this is my sin bucket. Um, Pastor Brett lent, lent me his uh, sin bucket this morning. So I'm just gonna get Pastor Brett's sin bucket just here. So, so I got Pastor Brett's sin bucket and I got mine here. Man, that felt full. I felt full, Pastor Brad. <laughs> it's, it's, it's because he's a Chelsea fan. Most of that is, is Chelsea in there. Um, so, <laughs> Now, imagine that in your bucket, right, is all the sins that you've done this year, right? Um, actually, let's just define sin, what sin is. In Jewish understanding and in the Bible, you can see that there's three levels of sin. There's three things that make up sin. The first thing is called iniquity. Everyone say iniquity. Iniquity simply means that whatever my eye hooks on multiplies, the second level of sin is called sin. And what that means is this. It means that I'm changing the boundaries. I'm setting new boundaries. The third level of sin was called transgression. And transgression means this, that my perception is now ultimate reality. Okay? So there were the three levels of sin. Um, can I share one of my sins in my bucket this morning with you? Can I do that? Well, that was a very... Yes, Tim, please share that. I was hoping for a... No, Tim, you're covered under grace. But... Uh, um, I want to share one of my sins this morning, just to illustrate this. I remember um, I was in grade seven and, and uh, mum and dad had sent me down to the shop to, uh, to get some stuff from our corner shop. And so mum gave me uh, a note with things and then a Ziploc bag with money. Give the note, give the list to the man and the money to the man and he'll get the stuff and I'll take it back home. Well, so I went and did that and I got to the shop and as I got to the shop, I gave the man the list and I gave the man the money. And then I noticed on the front desk that there was this box full of other things. Now, I don't know if you did this, but when I was in grade seven, the thing to do was to collect trading cards, sports trading cards. Anyone had sports trading cards when they were younger? Yeah, a few people, a few people, right? Well, that was the thing to do. When I was in grade six, we were swapping. I had hundreds, I still do, hundreds of Manchester United trading cards, hundreds of NRL, hundreds of Pokemon, uh, hundreds of, uh, of the EPL, all these trading cards. And I noticed that when I gave the man the, 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 the list of things that mum and dad wanted with the money, I noticed this box full of packets of ultra pro NRL cards. And I wanted them. Because in there could have been a player I didn't have. Or I could get a double up and then trade him at school. Right? So I wanted this packet of football cards. Now, unfortunately, the football cards were not on mum's list of things to get. And so I was looking, as the man grabbed my list and grabbed my money, he turned away, and I began staring at this pack of football trading cards. And it was at that moment that I committed level one, iniquity. Because the longer that I looked at these cards, the greater the desire within me wanted one, <laughs> right? And the longer I looked, the more I wanted them. Because my eye was hooked, and then it increased. Does that make sense? And so I've iniquity. I committed iniquity, church. Please forgive me, all right? My eye hooked on it and it increased. And then what happened was this. I started to set new boundaries. 
And I thought to myself things like this. There's 40 packets in that box. If I take one, there's still 39 packets. Should be all right. I thought to myself things like this. This shop looks like it's doing all right. The guy was wearing a gold watch. He's doing fantastic. If I take one, he's not going to miss $3. And so I started changing boundaries. I started changing the rules. Well, who knows that once you change rules, your own perception becomes ultimate reality. And so I saw these trading cards. I wanted them. I convinced myself that it was okay to take them because I changed the boundary. And then I acted on my conviction. And when the shop assistant turned away, I stole a pack of trading cards. It's off my chest. It's off my chest. Do I still have them? I'm not telling you that one. <laughs> Check this out. Isaiah 53, 6 says this. Like sheep, we have all gone astray. We have turned everyone to their own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What that means is this, that in our sin bucket, not only is there all the things that we've done, not only is there all the, all the boundaries that we've changed, but in here as well is all of our iniquity. All the things that we even thought about is in this bucket, right here, in this bucket. Our buckets might have things like regret, even if we did it or not, it's not the point. Pain, even if we, there was a, 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 an action, it's not the point. Even if we thought about revenge, even if we thought about hurting someone, even if we thought about unforgiveness, anxiety, jealousy, comparison, lust, greed, brokenness, deceit, it all is in the bucket. And every year the Jews would come to the priest with their bucket and the priest would put on the, on the head of the goat all the sins of the people. Every year, the Jews would bring their bucket. Sounds depressing, doesn't it? Because here's the thing, right? The goats actually never took sins. It never actually dealt with sin. Because every year, the Jews knew that I'm still gonna have my bucket. I'm still gonna be holding the very thing that defines me. And yes, it might get emptied once a year, but this still defines me. I wanna show you something this morning. The writer of Hebrews says this, under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sin. The writer was saying this, hey, with those two goats, that was cool. Every year we got a fresh start, but we still had to carry our bucket. We still had to carry our sin. We still had to carry all these things that we make excuses about. We still had to carry all these things that we blame other people of why they're in our bucket. We still have the bucket. The sacrifice never actually dealt with the issue in the first place. The writer goes on to say this, but our high priest offered himself to God as a single once off, once in a lifetime sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. I wanna tell you about this next time that God changed the rules. When he was with Abraham, God changed the rule. Did you know that in 33 AD, God changed the rules again? You know that he sent his son, Jesus, because God was so sick of us constantly trying to sacrifice things to get rid of this, but it wasn't working. And God said, you know what? Here, let me just fix it once and for all. Stop sacrificing things. It doesn't actually work. Let me just give you something more of myself so that we can fix it. Check this out, let me explain, right? 
a few things had to happen in the, in the goat ceremony. The first thing was that a man was appointed a, a, a part of the ceremony. The second thing was that the priest had to wash his hands. The third thing was that they had to roll the dice and choose one goat to die and one to live. The, 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 the next thing was that he would take the blood from the dead goat and he would spray it around the temple. He would spread it around the temple. The, second, uh, the next thing was that the live goat would have sins placed upon it, right? Uh, the next thing was that the goat was sent to Azazel, a desolate place. The next thing was that when the goat left, the priest would send in front of everyone and say, it is finished. The last thing that would happen was when the priest was satisfied that all their stuff out of their bucket had been emptied, the priest would sit down in his chair. Can I show you something about Jesus this morning? In the story of Jesus, a man was put in charge. His name was Pontius Pilate. He had to wash his hands before he did anything with Jesus. He had two people standing at the front, one named Jesus, one named Barabbas. And he chose one to die. The crowd chose one to die. The Bible says that on Jesus was placed a crown of thorns that he was whipped. His blood was sprayed throughout the capital. Paul says that the sins of, 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 of creation were placed upon him. The goat was sent into a desolate place. Jesus was hanging on the cross. And in a moment of desolation, he cries out, God, God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus himself found himself in a desolate place. The priest declared it is finished when the goat had left. Jesus on the cross, his last words were, it is finished. And I'm here to tell you this morning that in Peter, he says that he is sitting at the right hand of God. I'm here to tell you this morning that there's only one scapegoat that we need and his name is Jesus because God sent his son to die for us, not just to empty the bucket, but to get rid of it once and for all. We don't need to keep carrying these things that seem to define us. We can give them all to God and be free from blame. We don't need to have excuses anymore but we can be free from all those things that would try and hold us because Jesus has paid the ultimate price. He's the ultimate sacrifice. We don't need to carry buckets anymore. Get rid of your bucket this morning. All those things that you think define you, we come to church and we pour them out, but we're walking out here with our bucket. Leave it here today. Be free in Jesus' name. The reason why Jesus is the ultimate scapegoat is this. We don't need to blame people anymore for what's in our bucket. Because we can put it on Jesus. We don't need to have an excuse anymore for what's in our bucket. We can give it to Jesus. Jesus is our ultimate scapegoat. He's not a gift to Christians, but a gift to humanity. He's not a measuring rod for religious practice. He's not a set of rules, but a God who you can have a genuine and real and intimate relationship with. A God where we know where we stand. A God who takes our, away everything that would seem to separate us from him and us from one another. Jesus is our scapegoat church. We can give all this to him and never have to see that bucket again. We don't ever need to be reminded of how we missed the mark. Because here's the thing. Religious practice is no longer the mark. Following rules is no longer the mark. 
The mark to God is no longer what you sacrifice. The mark to God is no longer what we do. To get to God, there's only one way, there's only one standard now to get to God, and that's through Jesus. There's no religious rules that we would could follow that would get us to God. Jesus gets us to God. Knowing Jesus gets us to God. It's that simple. Yet there's all these things in our bucket that keep us from getting to God because we blame, excuse, we've got all these things. I'm here to tell you that you can go to God with that stuff. It doesn't actually separate you. In fact, Jesus wants you to come to Him with your bucket. And He wants you to give it to Him and walk out of here free, free from having to blame anyone, free from having any excuses. Because He doesn't want us to sacrifice and worship Him. He wants us to find freedom in Him. He wants us to have a relationship like a father-son, father-daughter, that kind of thing. Because He loves you. Thank you for listening to this podcast.